All right. How we doing? Good? Man, Metro, I've missed you guys. Uh, if you're brand new, uh, my name is Chris. I'm the Generation Pastor. And man, it's been forever since I've got to teach with you guys. And so uh, I've been with middle school, high school, and college kids. And that means I'm just tired. Um, and that, that's just the way that is. Um, but it's fun. It's a good time. Um, and so with that, um, before we dive in, uh, make sure that you guys know next week we are starting a brand new series called Distractions. And it's going to be amazing. Obviously, we live in an unbelievably distracted world with our phones and social media, all that kind of stuff. Um, we are just doing, finishing up a hashtag series in our generation ministry. And so I get it. We all get it. But that's why we need to talk about it. Make sense? And so next week, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, this week is we're wrapping up this entire old school series um, on the book of Ecclesiastes. Again, if you guys are brand new to this, um, what we do around here, we do things in series. So we kind of package things together. Um, In old school, what we decided literally over 10 years ago was let's teach through the Bible. Um, And so we do this series old school here and there, and we kind of come back and forth. Um, And for the last about 12 weeks, We've done this book of Ecclesiastes, and it's been awesome, hasn't it? Um, just the wisdom, the thoughts. Um, um, it's basically you get Solomon. Uh, I don't know what picture you guys get in your head, but it's like an old man kind of giving his life wisdom, right? It's kind of like, get on my knee, let me kind of give you final thoughts of life. And so um, today we're wrapping it all up, kind of bringing this thing to a close. Um, and so to me, if I could give you one big idea a thought to write down. If you're a note taker, write this down. Um, The big idea, the thing I want you to think about, the thought I think Solomon would gather us around, put us on his knee, and send us away with for the very last hurrah is this, is risk is right. Risk, this idea of risk in life is right. And so to kind of set this up, let me illustrate. As I was thinking about this, um, I love risk. Um, If you spend any amount of time with me, um, I love those moments where your heart is shaking because um, you could die or get hurt really bad. I mean, that's just, it follows me. So, mostly, I look for that stuff, um, which would make sense why I do middle school, high school, and college ministry, right? I mean, it, it just follows me, and it, I love it, yeah, that feeling. Um, but there are three things specifically that give me more adrenaline rush and more risk than anything else I can think of. And the first one is this, is paintball. Now, how many of you guys love paintball? Love it. How many? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. If, if you guys are brand new, you don't know what this is. We got some clips up here. Um, but paintball is amazing because it's the one thing on this earth that you can play war and there's actually a cost to getting shot. You know what I mean? Like, like I've literally had a big old just marks on my throat from like balls, you know, I'd be like, hey, you and your wife getting freaky? No, that is a paintball, you know, <laughs> but I love, love, love paintball. Second thing I love is longboarding. Now, again, this is kind of a, uh, a, a, a southern thing, and again, you can do this chill, or you can actually do this downhill. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you can get up to 60, 70 miles an hour on a skateboard. That's amazing, isn't it? Like literally, it, like you could get, something could go wrong and you could just be scooping your head off the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of you guys are like, why would you do that? Like why? why? Like why would you put yourself on a board and, and it's because, I don't know. I don't know, but I love, it's the risk. It's, I love it, right? Um, something I love in my heart. Um, third thing is this, is actually doing something you know you shouldn't do because you can get incredibly hurt. 
You guys know what I'm talking about? Um, like, absolutely true story is uh, I tend to um, do things that aren't exactly uh, the wisest choices, okay? Um, like, for example, we went to Haiti, and uh, the guys stay in one area, the girls kind of stay in another, and so we were in Haiti on a mission trip, and then we went up, and all the guys packed into this room on the third story, I believe, of this big hotel in Haiti, and all of a sudden, a bunch of guys are in a hotel doing stupid things because we're guys, and that's what guys do, and we went out on the balcony, and we realized there's a pool directly below, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we caught some footage of it, and we're going to show you a little bit of it. Um, but we just decided we're going to jump off the balcony into a pool that's only five foot deep. Now, now, naturally I'm taller, okay? Um, but honestly, everything in me, what happens is you climb over that rail, right? And you're, all of a sudden, three stories is high, Okay, like that big pool became a small pool, and you're just going, man, what if I miss? Well, you know, you kind of run back down, someone checks it, you, you can't miss, man, jump, and you're like, and, and you're, you're, you know what I mean? And then there's that, woo, you know, and bam, and you, you, you make it. And I, I love that, I love that feeling, I love risk, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, again, because the big idea is that risk is right. I really believe that when it comes to this idea of Christianity, and I get everyone here isn't a Christian, totally fine, but the thing that I think should mark the life of a Christian is a life of risk. Now again, I'm not saying silly things like I do, okay, so in fact, if you go to Haiti this year on our mission trip, we have stopped that, okay, we're making wise choices, so, but I'm not saying those kind of things, I'm not saying like, oh, hey, let's go run out in front of the I-75 and stop, I mean, you'd dead. That, that dumb choice, okay? But what I am talking about is that when God's leading you to something, you feel the call of God on your life, the with God life. So I know is it's going to take a risk, and that's right. It's right. So much so if you look in your Bible, man, the guys of faith we look up to, right? Like the big 12, the disciples, those guys were risk-taking people, like, think about this. Peter, right? We love Peter. If I could be anyone in the Bible, I'd be Peter. Two reasons. One, he cut a dude's ear off. Don't, don't know why. I just think that's kind of cool that Jesus put it back on. I, I, I just Jesus put it back on. I would want to see that, okay? Second thing is he what? Walked on water. Who would want to do that? I, like, I, I, but do you realize he had to jump out of a boat? Like, I, what went through Peter's mind? Just think about it. You're in a perfectly good boat. Do you think he thought, I'm just going to walk on water? This seems to make sense. <laughs> you know, like, do you think, the, what do you think went through his head? Do you think his heart was racing? Do you think as he grabbed the boat, hopped over, do you think it was a heart racing moment? I would think, yeah. But that's what marked these guys. You got James and John, right? The sons of thunder. These guys walked away from a successful business that their father owned. You got Matthew, quit his job to follow Jesus. Paul. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, if anyone say we want to model our lives after anyone, I think it's safe to say Paul would be up there, at least in the top three. Paul was a maniac. He was off on missionary journeys. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snakes. He was beat, put in prison. End of the day, he was beheaded for his faith. This are the guys that we look to and say, that's right, <laughs> That life, how they live, that's right. And that's why I would argue that the life of risk, 
is right. And it's what God calls us to as a community of faith. And we believe this so strongly around here. I don't know if you guys realize this. It's one of our core values as a church. We're thinking about this. When we sat down and, and we decided, how do we want people to see our church? What do we want people to do in our church? One of the core values is we want to be a risk-taking church. If you spent any amount of time around here, can't you agree, Metro, we take risks, right? Like, let me just walk you through some history. We, how many of you guys were around when we did Satan Hates Metro? Yeah, yeah, so, some of you new people are like, Satan, what? Yes. In fact, we made signs that said SatanHatesMetro.com. We bought a website, and then we made these, all these different sayings. It was like, Metro sucks was one of the signs. And we went and thought it would be a good idea, the college kids, to put that in the elementary schools. Got the cops called. It wasn't, it wasn't a good idea. But anyway, anyway, we saw more people come to Jesus through that initiative. Than I would argue probably anything else. It was awesome. We're risk-taking church. Um, one time, I remember one of the very first Sundays I ever showed up to Metro. So I, I, I didn't show up here as a paid staffer. I showed up just like you guys. And it was like week one, Porn Sunday. What? You were printing t-shirts. Jesus loves porn stars, you know? I mean, it was, you're going, what kind of church is this? We're a risk-taking church. Talking about Riverview Campus. You realize what's going to happen in there? Right when you walk in the front doors, there's going to be an adoption agency. How awesome is that? We got a playscape. That playscape is going to make so many parents mad because you're going to have to chase your kid. But it's so awesome because it makes Chuck E. Cheese look small. <laughs> That's how we do it. We're a risk-taking church. But at the same point, I want us to be a risk-taking people. Where this is what I know is that if you follow Christ... He's going to call you to take risks with your life, right? And we know what those things are. We're, we will talk about things on stage. Like we'll talk mission trips. There are people, your heart flutters. Like you just went, hee, and you're, you just felt that. Because there's something about people not having water that drives you to Haiti. There's something about a risk that you know you're called to do. Maybe you just need to take a next step with God and serve. You're going, I don't, I don't know what it's like to serve in the church. But you know you're called to it. And there's that risk in your heart. Maybe it's a life group. You know you want community. And you go, how do I connect to a big body like this in a church this size? How do I do that? And we do them through these things, life groups. But here's the deal. You have to go to the Connection Center. You have to sign up on a piece of paper. They give you an address. And you have to show up to someone's house that you don't know. And you have to have weird conversations with someone you hope that won't kill you. And then you're going to be friends. It's weird. It's, it's hard. But we want you to know risk is worth it every single time. Because that's what God calls you to. Maybe it's big things for your life. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's a school change, right? Maybe, maybe it's going from homeschool to public school. Hello. That was going to get me in trouble. But anyway, look at it. God calls us to risks, and risk is right. It really is. And that's what's going to drop us into the very last part of the book of Ecclesiastes. We're Solomon, right? So if you're new to this thing, let me kind of bring you into this. Solomon has been teaching us how life works. And he's been talking about it. The idea is you want to do life with God. 
And again, you don't have to agree with that, but he just went through, and I would challenge you, go back and listen to the messages. It is amazing how what was true 3,000 years ago is so true today. That look, without God, meaningless, meaningless, right? That's been the theme through the whole book, meaningless. It's all meaningless. And then he gets to this ending point, right? Like I imagine it would be like, like old man Solomon, like I said, kind of gets you, puts you on his knee, and he's like, all right, I got one last thought for you. He's going, I think how you could sum up what he's saying is that risk is right. Risk is a good thing. We're looking at this, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 7. Solomon says this, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years anyone may live. So again, he's just going, we don't know how long we'll live. He says, but let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness were there, for there, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, And whatever your eyes see, but know that for all things God will bring into judgment. So did you catch that? He's saying, look, you don't know how long you're going to live. There's good and bad coming. And so he just goes, look, whatever your eye sees, go do that. That's a good deal. You're going, risk is right. But, and I love this, because he's going, it doesn't mean be an idiot. Right? Because what we will do, because we're selfish humans, we'll hijack that. Well, the Bible said, risk is right. I'm just... Life's short, man, have an affair. What are you, stupid? That's what people think. But what, what, what he's saying, he's going, hey, 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 yep, do what's in your heart, but no, God's still going to judge you, okay? So it doesn't mean sin. It doesn't mean just go live a, a lascivious life that just goes and does anything. But he's talking about this idea that God speaks to you as a Christian, that God leads you and moves you to different things, He's going, what God's placed in your heart. Look, go do that. And the younger, the better. And then keep reading where it says, so then banish anxiety from your heart. This idea of risk, when you're going to go take the risk, he's going to let you just get rid of the anxiety. And cast off troubles from your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. And so Solomon's teaching us something deep in the human experience. We're saying that there's this thing in us that we, we start to see God move in our lives and call us to change. And like I said, whether that's a spiritual change, maybe you need to stop something. Maybe you need to start something. Right? No matter what it is, what all of us go through is this anxiety or fear of failure, fear of what if we mess it up? What if we didn't hear God right? What if... And what Solomon is saying is he's going, look, 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 all this earth is a smoke screen. It's somewhat meaningless. Take the risk because risk is right. And there's two reasons he points this out. And I love this because it gets so practical. Where again, one of the things that starts to happen a little bit in, in church, okay, and this is an in-church thing, is that we will talk about risk. And we'll be like, okay, people, here's what God is going to tell you to do. Check your brain out at the door, drink the Kool-Aid, and jump. Come on now, you know, let's let go and let God. I've, and, I, and look, I get those things. I'm not, I'm not knocking, but, but at the same time, let's be honest. I want my brain, okay? I, I, I want to think through thoughts. And he's not saying don't think. In fact, he's going to logically walk us through this. 
But from a human perspective, he's like, let's just, let's just look at it without the lens of God right now. And he's like, why is risk right? Two reasons, he says right off the bat. Number one, because you aren't as in control as you think you are. Which I don't know about you, but that bothers me. I'm a control freak. I have to drive everywhere. I have to make the final decisions about everything. And even if I don't get the final decision, I act like I made it. Okay? That, that's, that's how my marriage works. Okay? But we think, we don't, let's be honest, we think we're in control. Let's just zoom back. Let's just push back. Zoom out and just think about life for a minute. We're not in control of life. Like, let's just think about babies, okay? Babies. This always gives me trouble. But let's just think about how babies come about, okay? You guys, you have no control of that. Now, we think we do. Okay, ladies, okay, we, 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 you think you do, okay? Well, my wife, she thought if she wanted a baby, look, it, it was the best week of my life. I mean, it was, like, it was awesome. Um, and then, what happens? Okay, like, it, it, it happens. But after that, what? You're not in control, you're just not because you got, you got the egg thing and then you got the um, tadpole thing. I don't, you know, and, and you, got, you got a lot of stuff going on. I don't know that was politically correct in church. But, um, but for me, you, you got all this happening. We're not as in control as we think, right? When it comes to life, God gives life, period. We're not as in control as we think. And then as you move along and you have babies, you start to realize further how delicate life is. In the breath we have, right? Like, again, again, uh, for us, we have two boys. We, to get them to sleep through the night, we did the cry it out thing, okay? And, and if you don't know what that means, it's you basically uh, shut them in a room and let them cry themselves to sleep. And it is, it is an awful night. Some of you are like, I can't believe you do it. You're going to screw them kids up. You need to nurture them. Uh, I'm their dad, okay? They're, they're screwed anyway, okay? That's just how, that, how that's rolling, but anyway, for us, what, I don't know if you experienced this. This is what happened to my family. I mean, they're crying and crying and crying, and then all of a sudden it goes from, ah! And, and, and you're, you're going, did I just kill my kid? That's all, that's all we thought. And so what do you do as a parent, okay? You, you sneak in there, you kind of get the door, you know, and you just, and you're like, don't wake up, don't wake up, wake up. And you walk over there. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? I don't know. Is he breathing? I don't know. I don't know. And then you get down really close, and then someone bumps the baby. Some, and then, you know, and you're back to square one, you know? But you start to realize how fragile life is. You know, we've all thought we choked our baby out with the milk. We've all been like, they're choking. Wham, wham, you know? And you start to realize, look, life is fragile. You're not as in control as you think. And that's what Solomon's arguing. He's going, look, look, I don't know why risk is right. Because the reason we don't take the risk is because we think we're going to control our lives and play the safe card. That's why. And he's going, look, 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 look. You're not as in control as you think. We'll go back and reread what we read. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years anyone may live. You see what he's doing there? He's going, look, I don't, how many years is he living? We don't know. Life is fragile. So he goes, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. It's vanity. 
It's like a smoke screen because you don't know if you play the safe card, it's going to be any better than if you play the risk card because no matter where you're at, this thing called life is coming and it's both good and bad. And so what he's saying is is you're not as in control as you think you are. Therefore, take the risk if God is leading you to do it. Because then the second thing that's coming and it gets worse is that you're going to get old and die. Now, now, time out, time out, time out. Time, don't kill the messenger, okay, okay, okay? I know, you're judging me. This is church, people. But think, this is what he says. Just keep tracking with it. He says, you who are young, be happy while you're young and let, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. And then go to chapter 12, verse 1. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Look at, I don't know where you're at. But if you've ever experienced life with no pleasure, it stinks. Like for me, seriously, I, I, I feel like I've been there before. Now, some of you guys are like, what are you talking about? Okay, well, I went to Haiti and got to bring, bring home a little friend. I called him Fred. He lived in my belly. It was called a parasite, okay? And it made me feel like I was dead for literally a month. Like no pleasure in any life. Because here's what happened. With the parasite, we all, our whole team got it. So missions is a risk but it's worth it, okay? But I came home, literally, had a parasite in my stomach. And so we were all literally diarrhea and puking for days, weeks. I mean, we, we, none of us knew what was wrong with us. We were like, we got the flu, and then it just never went away. So I went to the doctors, and the doctor was like, yeah, man, you got, you got something really mad, nasty in your stomach. It's a parasite. Um, and, uh, and, and so he gave me this prescription called Cipro and Flagyl. Now, he said, you can take one, and then if it doesn't work, you can take the other one because they both kill different bacterial bat parasite things, you know. And I was like, okay. And he goes, or you can take both of them at once and you, it'll make you sick. But, hey, you're already sick. It'll be over in a week. And so I thought, man, just give me, the, give me them both, you know. And, and so literally, and, and my dear beloved wife was like, honey, um, you're going to take these pills. These pills are pretty, pretty wild. And I said, yeah, I know. That, that's what they say. And she's like, have you read the side effects? Now. Here's what's funny about prescription drugs. Do you ever notice? They're like, this pill will help you if it doesn't give you these 28 other things, you know? It's crazy. Um, anyway, but there's this laundry list to the Cipro. It was like this long. Basically, it was like you're, you're going to wish you were dead, okay, because it was arthritis, okay, inflaming of your joints, like swollen feet, like lost control of your bladder. And, I'm, going, and I'm, I'm reading this thing, and I'm going, dear Lord, what? I and mean, I'm going, well, I already have diarrhea. I can't control it anyway. So, you know, take it, take it, you know. And so I, I I'm not even making this up. I took one pill. I woke up at 4 a.m., and I felt literally as if Solomon was describing no pleasure in life. I felt dead. Where I, my joints, my, my elbow, I remember my elbow specifically felt like it was exploding out of my skin. Like, I, like it was pulsating, and I was like, oh. My elbow's gonna fall off my arm, you know? And and then I remember I was like, I got I got pee. And I remember, you know, and then but you're having both problems here, so you're kinda like waddle. And look, I look, men, 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 you will get this. Look, I, I did the lean and pee, you know, because that's what you do when you're tired. Um and it I just I I went. There was no pressure in the pipe. So it, there, it just, I peed all over my toes. I'm, I'm not even made it. I'm, just, I'm like, oh! 
I, li- I, I went back home. I went into my bed and I was like, baby, 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 this is bad. I'm like, if, if this is where I'm ending, I told her, I was like, I'm grabbing my Bible, going to Iraq, and I'm going to preach the gospel. ISIS could do whatever they want. I'm not going out like this. Seriously, I told her that. And all of a sudden, it's like, something's going ding, 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 ding. That's the point. You can die old wishing you were dead or live while you're young and die the way God calls you to. That is the point of this text. And that's where, go back. Start reading it. Where again, this is just consistent with the Bible. Where even James, Jesus' brother, he talked this way. This idea of like, look, risk your life. Don't just sit back and relax. Where James chapter 4 says this. Now listen, you say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Isn't that how we all work? We all operate in that way where we plan our days out. We plan our weeks out. And there's not anything inherently wrong with that. But James is going, look, if you become so planned for retirement, you're going to miss now. And so James says this. He goes this. Why do you even know? Why? Do you even know what will happen tomorrow? He goes, what is your life? You are a mist. Maybe you're you're used to the word vapor. You're a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, so here's James. He's going to give us, here's, here's the epiphany of the Bible. He's going to look, why do you plan so far out and play the safe card now? Instead, here's a new way of thinking. If it's the Lord's will, we'll live. Time out. If you wake up tomorrow and you breathe, it matters. If you wake up tomorrow and you live, now let's make a plan. Because what he's saying is don't put your dreams, the things God's doing in your heart, on the back burner because of the risk. Do you understand that? That's, that's consistent with the Bible. It's what the authors of the Bible were bringing about. And so think about the things God births in your life. Right? Go back through the missions, the changing of careers, the changing of jobs. Again, this this isn't sinful things. It's not going, well, I need an adrenaline rush. I'm going to be stupid with my life. I'm going to leave my wife. She makes me miserable. Chris is right. No. No. These are things God puts in your heart. He says, jump. Take the risk. Because if you're still breathing, God's still got a plan for you. And that's what Solomon is meaning through all this. That's what Solomon is moving in all this. Is he's teaching us all this is. We'll go back and put all this together in Ecclesiastes 11. He says, you who are young, the young people in the room, do you understand what he's saying? He's not putting a numerical age to this thing. He's not looking at you or me and saying, look, if you're 20, that's not the point. He's going, look, I think what he's saying is if you're not peeing on your toes yet, okay? If you don't loathe life, if you can't not get out of a bed, if you're, if you're young enough to enjoy life, which I think that's all of us, so I don't think he's saying, hey, 40 and under, listen up. 30 and under, listen up. 20 and under, no, 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 no. You know what he's saying? If you're young enough to not be old man Solomon, if you're not in a bed, decrepit, sick. So yes, I think he's talking to elderly you have breath in you, 
He says this, be happy while you're young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Do you see it now? Saying the things God places in your heart. And then again, he puts the clause, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Right? So again, he's not just staring the baby out with the bathwater, but look, keep God in mind. And he says this, so then, look at this, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Again, that, that last little bit is the hard part. Because all this is fun to laugh about and talk about, get all pumped up about. But how do you just get rid of the anxiety? So no matter what, if you choose to jump into the mission trip, if you choose to do the crazy things, the things God's calling you to, look, it's a risk. How, how, he's just going, just get rid of it? And that's where the next verse comes in. It's so key. It's so key because what do you do with these anxieties? How do you get rid of it? You get rid of it by fixing your eyes on God. We look at this. Look at this. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. So then remember your creator. So he's starting to think about this. He's going, you know what? You need a new perspective on life. Because you want to know how life works? Remember your creator. Remember God. And why would you remember God? Right? Because when you can see God and his relationship with you first... It does at least two more things to us. And this is what vanishes anxiety. Is number one is this, is that we start to realize heaven is not, or heaven is your home. That you weren't built for this earth. We're thinking about this. This is my, like my, my thing. I love, like I swear I will get it tattooed on my body. Is I have mottos around this. I have creeds around this. That I want to live with heaven in my mind. Knowing that this earth is not my place. I'm just passing through. This is a reminder, a war cry for me. That's why I have statements, verses I put on my mirror. And, and like uh, Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, God, send me, send me, send me, send me. Because I don't want to play the safe card. Because what's the point anyway? Naked you come, naked you go. What is the point of this earth other than reaching more people and giving glory to God? That's it. That's it. And so because of that, you start to see these perspectives and these things come together. And so think about what God's telling you to do or you feel God moving you to do. The mission trip, you're going, well, I don't, I don't know if I can actually go. Chris got a parasite, and that sounds bad. Yes. But the same point, what? If we live, it's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> right? That's why James is saying, if you live... Then we'll go finish out what we had planned. But for the moment, let's just take the risk. All right, think about jumping in and getting involved in this church. Man, take the risk. Well, I'm not good enough. It's okay, we'll train you. Well, what if I don't have it? It's okay. Put your life on hold and jump into it. Maybe it is crazy things like changing a degree or changing a career. I don't know. But what I do know is that old man Solomon would gather us and say, look, it's monetary. Heaven's our home anyway. This life's a vapor. Let's jump. Let's jump. And then the second thing I think it, do, it happens when you put God first is this, is you find that you actually have a purpose. You have a purpose. 
And this is huge to me, that when you come into a relationship with God, and that's why we call it a relationship and not a religion, is that God gives you a purpose. He really does. And again, if you're not a Christian, this is the very thing that should get you to want to become one. It's because when you meet Christ, he puts his spirit in you. And when he puts his spirit in you, it gives you gifts, talents, and ability. He unlocks your potential to do something great for his kingdom. You get a purpose on this earth. That's where Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are God's handiwork. Now, I love that. It's one of my favorite verses in the world. That, that word handiwork in the Greek is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. Think about this. God, you, you, when you look in the mirror, you're God's handiwork. You're his poem. He sat down, thought about you, put you together. When you look in the mirror and go, well, I don't like me. God does. Why do I have these quirks? I'll tell you why, because he got a purpose. This is something I struggle with my whole life. Man, I, I am, believe this or not, a little high strung, super obnoxiously loud, like literally. Like you go out to eat with me, it is disruptive, okay? I don't, and I, I just have no gauge. Now remember, think about this. I, I am a weird cat. I just am. I, I just, and, and one of the things, I had one of my best friends come and actually listen to me speak once. Um, we played in bands together. He's one of my best friends in the whole entire world. Um, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, hey, what do you think? Because that's a vulnerable position when one of your best friends hear you preach. Is it not? You know, you're just going, uh, you like it? Uh, it makes sense? You know, and he, and he looked at me, and I'm not even kidding. He was like, Chris, for my whole life, I was like, what are you ever going to do with your life? I, and I'm like, okay, okay. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and he goes, and then I heard you preach, and I was like, it makes sense. Why? And, and all of a sudden, I'm telling you, my gifts are unlocked because I found a purpose. And I'm telling you, it's the same as true for you. God has given you a purpose. You are God's handiwork, his poem, where he sat down and thought about you, created you, molded you, fashioned you. And then when you meet Christ, look at this. When you're created in Christ Jesus... To do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Do you understand that? This is about you, that when you meet Christ, you're a new creation. Old is gone. Brand new comes. He unlocks your potential and gives you a purpose for your life. And that's why. That's why people, people get excited about different things. Like I said, the mission person, where you, you, you just are sick to your stomach that there's people without food and babies that need help and you, your heart flutters. That's because God created you for missions. Take the risk. There are people that are smart. I mean, so smart that you guys make me sound stupid all the time because you love biology and chemistry and smart people stuff like engineering and you put things together and want to know how they work and you're going, I just love putting things together, and I'm going, man, God bless you, but that's not me, just because that's how God wired you. Jump into the things God created you to do. Maybe it's a mom that you're, you, you, the thought of being a stay-at-home mom makes your heart leap, but you go, I can't afford, I can't financially figure it out, but what I can tell you, you might not be able to right now, but you could take a next step towards that. Don't miss what God's calling you to. And what he's built you for. 
Maybe, maybe it's something crazy. Maybe you're looking at this thing and it's time to go back to school. And you're going, well, I'm old. Simon was talking to young people. No, 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 no. The young he was talking to was you. He was the old man. And he's saying, look, if you got these things, life is too short. Jump into it. Because my biggest fear is that we're going to be a community that has these ambitions and has these thoughts. Yet the fear of failure, the fear of what this earth can do to us is going to stop us from doing what God has created us for. And that's why I come back to the big idea, risk is right when you're following God. That's why we say we're a next steps church. Because when you're walking with God, here's why I know risk is right. When God puts things in your heart, risk is right. I really do believe that with all my heart. And so to bring this thing in, what do you do with your thoughts right now? Like, what do you do? What would Solomon do? If I think if Solomon was here to wrap up everything, to wrap up this book, old man Solomon, if he brought you together and he put, you, you sitting on his knee and you're telling me your dreams, maybe it is missions, maybe it is changing schools. Heck, maybe the thing that you're fearing most is this commitment to Christ. Where you keep coming back here, <laughs> You keep showing up to church, but you're going, hold on, hold on. If I actually claim to be a Christian, do you know what that's going to do? Yes. Give you a purpose and give you a home called heaven. It's going to be awesome. But you go, my whole life will change. Yes, and it's worth the risk. I promise. And Solomon would sit us all down and say, what God's doing in your heart, risk is right. Because when you grab the hand of God Almighty, and keep him in mind. Fix your eyes on him. Here's what you're going to find is that it's not really much of a risk at all. Man, it's just doing an adventure we call life. That's a snapshot of vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And don't get too old before you live out the things that God is calling you to do. I think risk is right. And so if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to pray over us. Whereas I know in a room like this, there's people all over the chart, all over the map. I mean, people, you are the person that's going, man, I want to commit my heart to God. Man, today is your day. Take that next step. Start praying to God. Man, talk to someone. Maybe, maybe it's someone that it is something about missions. You're going, how do I afford it? It doesn't matter. Just take a next step. That's why we're a next steps church. It's because we want you to take risks and we're just going to help you take a next step towards that. And so God, in a room like this, God, speak to your kids. God, I know one thing is true is that Solomon is looking at us and teaching us risk is right. God, he's showing us that, man, we're going to get old. And we don't have to die old. We can live all the way until we're old. And so, God, no matter where we're at on the chart, Solomon's looking at us and saying, God, don't let them miss it. God, let us be a church of risk-taking. 
God, let us take next steps. God, let us get a call of God in our heart and jump into that. God, whether it be a life group, a mission trip, whether it be changing careers, changing schools, going back to school. God, I don't know what it is, even if it's taking a first step with you. God, let us know that risk is right when we fix our eyes on you. Stay God-centered because it teaches us, God, this place is not our home. It's not our home. And God, you've given us a purpose, and it's our mandate to figure out what that is. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, if you, uh, if you guys need prayer, and here's what I hope this message does, is it gets you to take a next step. It gets you to move on your journey with God. Uh, man, we have our friends to my left, your right, that would love to pray with you guys, that would just love to help you take those next steps, even if it's questions about God, questions about our church. Uh, man, we want to be a place where you take next steps and we're all taking risks together. Does that make sense? And so, man, I love you guys. Don't forget the Super Bowl party is coming up tomorrow at Riverview. Get all the information. Reach Local is right next door. Man, take a next step today.